so I think there's hope in all of this stuff because it's designed to go wrong. Yeah. We are designed to be in this struggle and have it fail all around us epically sometimes. Yep. It is for our good that it fails epically. I, it is actually for our good that we get into big wars so that we look at this thing and go, what have we done? Who will rescue me mm. from all of this shit? Oh, 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 that's right. God's going to. All right, yep. fine. Yep. I've, I've done. <laughs> I surrender to your will. And then that's when things change. You talked about becoming a Christian somehow changed your life. It yep. wasn't because you tried harder. No. It was because you stopped trying and you gave away your your will and you surrendered not to just anything or anyone. You surrendered to God. And then he was like, things are going to change. And he gave you a new heart. And now you've got your impassioned for all sorts of things. Welcome to Authentic Conversations. I'm your host, Ryan James Miller, and I believe the way to freedom, fulfillment, and success ultimately comes by living as the most authentic version of yourself. If you're ready to live the life you've dreamed of, you're in the right place. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I have with me today a gentleman by the name of Jason Todd. He hit it, but the way that he jumped into the screen was with a martini in hand. Looked all cool. Oh, no, he's got it. He snuck it up. If you're watching it, it, he just popped it right up into the screen. He's going to keep that going just so he can keep himself loose and fluid. Every once in a while, if he needs to pause to think of something, he'll just take a sip. So super good. Uh, I was introduced to Jason through a good friend of mine, Paul Edwards. Paul and I uh, mastermind together. Paul's been on my podcast. I've been on his. And so when Paul says, you got to talk to this guy, it's just the guy to talk to. And once I dug a little bit into Jason, it just totally made sense. He hosts a live show and podcast called Coffee with Humans. Uh, He's a speaker. He's an advisor. He's a consultant. He says he does all things, all kinds of things. And so I'm super excited to hear about that in the context of conversation today. But for now, Jason, what up? Oh, man, I'm excited to be here with you, Ryan. And you're right. I did. I, I slid on. And then you asked me to flex. And so I like, I got that. I guess coffee with humans thing. <laughs> I, yeah. I, so this is me. This is me right here. And then I do have my martini because you, you talked about being manly. And I thought there are very few things uh, more manly than drinking Especially a martini. When you're with, drinking it like that. If it's in like the other glass, you know, like the martini glass, you know, it can get a little soft. Right, but... With your pinky out, which I do sometimes. <laughs> Let me, I don't want to, I don't want to say I'm always manly, but, um, cause I am in touch with the martini side with the finger, but, hey. uh, this is a garlic, this is a garlic olive in there too. Oof. I am not a martini guy. Vodka is just not my jam. Normally a good whiskey, a bourbon that does me way better. I, I do that too. I, I, I might've had whiskey, uh, yesterday. And you're just diverse. What else is what else is super sick is you've got to just you've got to go to YouTube and watch us. I know you're probably listening to this because you're in the car and you're not really paying attention, but you kind of are. But if you were to watch this, Jason has a picture of himself on his shirt. And I used to get shit for the fact that I made some stickers a while ago with a caricature of me on it. And half the people were like, oh, ha ha ha, you know, picture of you. I'm like, dude, this guy's wearing it on his shirt and it looks tough as hell. So. It's, it's pretty good. I, and I'm not, it's not because I'm high on myself. That's not it at all, but it seems inviting, <laughs> right? I it mean, does. if you were going to, you know, I want to have coffee actually, with you. 
and honestly, as, as a manly thing to do, I think it's one of those things that you kind of own your name. And I kind of yep. shied away from that for a long period of time. But people engage with people, right? And so I didn't want to have this, this podcast of Coffee with Humans and not put my face on it. And it was a leap. Honestly, it was a big leap for me to be put myself out there because now it's like, now it's me, <laughs> it's my face, and I can't, be, I can't hide behind a name as this nondescript individual. Now, now it's, it, it's, it's actually my image out there. And it was a kind of a tough pill to swallow. Ooh, that's pretty interesting. It's good. Now you own it. I mean, now, now nobody can shake. Like when you're like, Hey, who's that coffee with humans guy? It's this guy in the shirt. And it's this guy right here. Like you just, you can't get away from it. It's so dope. That's exactly right. Um, okay. So first question that I've been asking this season to all the guys that I've been interviewing is how would you personally define manhood and or masculinity? Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's normally the reaction that I get, by the way. So you're welcome. <laughs> you didn't send me these questions ahead of time, did you? You just nope, is, on purpose. This is, okay, great. That's very similar to my podcast. Okay, so how would I describe manhood or masculinity? Okay, uh, I, I tell you what. I went through a small group a number of years ago where we actually talked about this because how I think it is a big question that 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 people don't understand. When do you become a man? When mm-hmm. when do you like get that that ticket stamped and now it's like I'm welcomed into the brotherhood of men. Because I think it's a big deal. There's a responsibility that comes with that, right? And so I think uh, if, if I had to remember it, it was something like a man uh, rejects passivity, takes responsibility, leads courageously, and expects a greater reward. So you, uh, what was the first one? What did I say? You, you know, I, th- I think you like, you somehow snuck in, you knew what I was going to ask you because you recited that like it was just the mission statement or something like that. Well, I tell it's it burned in my brain. So it's reject passivity, right? So I don't think, I don't think men sit back and just let the, let the, uh, let the, the play happen, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that's with our, uh, the people that we care about or the things that we care about, we get in there and we do what's necessary. So we reject passivity. Uh, we take responsibility, right? It's never, it's never, well, you know, he, he did it over there. No, if, if it's me, it, I did it, right? Mm. I accept responsibility for my own actions. And then we lead courageously. Get, get yourself out there, lead in whatever you need to be leading in, uh, and then expect some greater reward. I think, I think men have a particular capacity to, uh, to look into the future and say, the things that I'm going to do today are difficult. And I don't necessarily want to do them, but I do know that they're going to lead to an end result down the line, which I want to, yeah. I want to see happen for myself and for the people around me. Okay. Because, because you left us with three wonderful points. I was a pastor for like eight years. That's like a sermon that we can just preach right there. Just off of three points. It's pretty traditional. So that's where we're going to go. And I actually want to go that though you, it was the first one you shared, it was, it's the one that's the most attractive to me. Uh, at all, because as much as I think men lack courage today, I don't think a lot of men take responsibility and we're probably going to get, we'll get to both of those as well. I love this idea. And I think they all, they all like collaborate and correlate together anyway, but uh, this idea of rejecting passivity. And I think that it is something that is so prominent in society today. So why does that, why is that such an important point to communicate for you a characteristic that that men hold to well without being all political as no. This is no 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 no, no. Let, let's let, let's say this i mean obviously if, if, yeah, talk if to me. you're afraid of what's going to happen that's fine but here in afraid. this here in this environment anything goes everybody knows like 
I talk about Jesus. I talk about my views on gender. I've talked about okay. my politics. I don't care. So Fair enough. fire. Well, as as this is being recorded, uh, Ukraine <laughs> is currently being invaded by Russia. Yep. Which everybody saw coming. Yep. And as I was watching the news today, there was a an ambassador. Uh, he, he was an ambassador at some point in time. I don't remember when. Uh, a number of years ago. And he laid it out very succinctly that this is expected. This is going to carry on. There are no political solutions to this because you have a guy in charge who wants to put Russia back together as his lasting legacy. Mm. That is not a passive individual. There's no passivity about it. But the rest of the world is sort of taking this passive response because they didn't want to escalate. Mm. You are with a person who is on a mission. It's not a political mission. It's a personal mission. Mm. That, I think, is the, the evidence of rejecting passivity. Mm. He's on a personal mission. That mission will be accomplished, come hell or high water. And you can't talk to me too much about it. I'm just going to persist in that mission. And that's, that's what right. we see Russia doing as they're invading Ukraine. It is, it is a mission-minded mindset. I don't know, a mission mindset? I don't, I don't know how you want to phrase that, right? Yeah. Versus we... we kind of take a hands-off laissez-faire approach and we respond or react to what's going on mm-hmm. or say, you know what? Uh, not my monkey, not my circus. I'm just yeah. going to stay out of it. I think there, I think as uh, you know, Jordan Peterson talks about this idea that men should be dangerous. Mm. You want a man who can be absolutely dangerous and knows how to reel it back in. So to, so as to create safety, but you can't create safety without also being able to create danger. And that is a person who is not passive, uh, I think it's Lao Tzu that talks about this idea that doing nothing is doing something. Yep. I can do nothing, but I can do it uh, with intent. Mm. And that's not a passive thing. Doing nothing just because it's like, well, it's, it's not my not my issue. I think we've got too many people who are, it's not my issue, or I'm afraid to get into the ring because they don't want to have the fight. Mm-hmm. And I think many times people don't want to have the fight because they don't know what they stand for. They don't know what their mission is anyhow. Whew. So, of course, you wouldn't get into the ring. I got nothing to stand on. Yeah, that's right. You can beat me up in a minute. And if we're really in the back to the end of the, you know, this, uh, this idea of we're expecting a lasting reward, if I don't have a long-term mission mindset, then, of course, I would, I would, I would be passive today. Yeah, yeah. But if I have a long-term mission mindset, I'm going to take action today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose my action. And that could be doing nothing, standing back, or it could be getting my hat in the ring, and I'm going to reject passivity. I, I mean, there was 15 gems that, you know, that you dropped, you know, as you were sharing that. And I think it is so fascinating how, uh, you know, there's a lot of opinion because we're on this topic. There's a lot of opinion as to whether the United States should intervene into what's going on between the Russia and Ukraine. I think there's fair points to make on both sides of the equation. But I think that one thing that has become so uh, so clear uh, as as it relates to our stance and our leadership's approach to the situation is is just that is we we don't really know what we're trying to accomplish long term. As a matter of fact, we've kind of just taken a back seat and let other people dictate what we're going to do, right? And, and that's kind of politics in general. Is just uh, I'm just going to uh, you know appease the loudest voice. And so as the result of that. We're kind of frozen in time. You know, it's like nobody nobody really knows how to act. Nobody really knows how to lead. Nobody really knows how to handle the situation. 
because they don't have a clear picture of where to go. And as much as that's <clears throat> happening at the macro level, I think all the way all the way down to the individual male in society today, I think that that is such a significant problem, right? I mean, it's we we've come out of this culture maybe uh, 10 years ago of we talk about this a lot on the podcast like toxic masculinity and so the answer to that for most of society has been complete rejection and swung the pendulum in the complete opposite direction and so now we have no masculinity at all complete distortion of identity and so now as a man like what is my purpose like what, what am i what am i even trying to accomplish so I'm sure you have wrestled through this for yourself, even as you're talking to other people. So do you see that occurring with a lot of the men that you're interacting with is, is they just really don't know what, what their call is anymore? Absolutely. I think I, I go to Jordan Peterson uh, there. Jordan Peterson has risen to the, uh, to the stage, the worldwide stage yeah. because he took some, a uh, controversial perhaps uh, stances on having discussions. Mm-hmm. And, and one of those discussions was what is, what does it take to live life? And so he's got these 12 rules for life and he's got a follow-up book to that. Now I was, I was seeing an interview of actually somebody who, who, you know, just some Joe on the street who was saying, you know, Jordan has taught me how to be a man. Mm. And I find it interesting that we've lost the ability to pass manhood from one generation to the next generation very clearly at one point in time it was it was pretty clear let's say you know since we're on the topic of war and whether you want to use a physical literal war uh in in the world or whether you want to use a spiritual war or you want to use a war against ideals or something like that something to stand for that requires an effort that you you might have to die on some of those hills uh the it was pretty clear at one point in time that if we were going to serve peace around the world, we were going to go to war for it. Mm-hmm. And men readily took up arms. In fact, you can see that in the Constitution. People are readily, we are ready to take up arms. We're going to defend our territory. And that gets back to this idea, well, what do you stand for? What is my territory anyhow? Mm-hmm. Am, I, am I willing to defend? Is it even okay for me to defend the people in my house? Some people would say, no, you can't do that. Well, that's asinine. You, well, you're just going to lay over and get killed if somebody's coming in on you? Not You wouldn't, actually. You don't actually believe that. It's just you haven't struggled through enough stuff that you have to fight for anything. Yep. And that, I think, is part of it. It's a cultural battle that we're in right now, that we have a group of we – we've lost cohesive family units and strong men who pass on the definitions of manhood from one to the other. But I believe also that we've lost this ability because we have no struggle. Just universally in the Western world, we have no real struggle. Mm-hmm. We talk about struggle, but it's bullshit. So, you know, our property taxes are too high and I have student loan debt and I ain't got a mortgage that I can't afford. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. You want to go to struggle? Go have your country invaded when you didn't ask for it. Yeah. Travel the world just a tiny little bit and you'll find people who struggle, like have literal real struggles of life and death. And I think if we had real literal struggles of life and death, it would become clear. Wait a second. I have ideals that I stand for and I'm gonna, I'm ready and willing to fight for them. Yep. I th- I think... I think we just have this confluence of events where where family units are breaking down and men are not willing to be men down the line, which which I want to get back to that in just a second. Remind me to get back to that, that if you if you've broken your word, it's hard to keep it the second time. So mm. that just keep 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 that thought handy. 
I have a place to go on that. But also, I think that we we uh, because we don't have any real struggle in the world, we've we're struggling over tiny things, and we yeah. all know they're meaningless. Intuitively, in our souls, we know it's meaningless. It, we're just whiners. We're big whiners. So what hill? What the hill? What what hill would you would you die on? Right now, yeah. if you never actually thought you would have to die on a hill, yeah. it's certainly not going to be one of <laughs> ideals. Yeah. There, um, uh, have you ever read the book, uh, read the book, uh, The Coddling of the American Mind by Jonathan Haidt? No. So uh, fascinating article, a uh, fascinating book that was the result of an article that he wrote in The Atlantic that went viral quite a few years ago that was on this very topic, you know, uh, that we have so coddled the... I will say now probably the 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 two earliest generations that are kind of working their way into adulthood that they don't even know how to handle conflict, trauma, um, hardship. Everything is trauma to them, right? Your, your words have annihilated me. I'm crawling into a corner. And so he talks about how we have conditioned, you know, uh, everybody that's come after us to think that way. They're 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 not even equipped or prepared. But what's interesting is is it would be easy then to blame, well, it's the millennial generation or it's whatever gen, you know, the gen, I don't know, whatever's after them. Like, you know, it's, it, it's their fault. That that's the reason that, that, that the country's breaking down or that identity is breaking down. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like the boomer generation was pretty clear about where they stood on most things. Like we could see that they had defined lines and it's really been my, our generation that has, that has just, usurped responsibility and given it over to nothing. And so, and so now nobody even knows where to go or what to do to take responsibility for the things they have been given and to not bitch so much when stuff gets a little bit hard. Absolutely. I had this conversation, I think just yesterday, uh, I think with a lady named and Matt, if I had, if I could remember correctly. And we talked about this idea that, um, that people don't stand for anything really anymore because they're not thinking past the facade of life. Mm. I, they're not getting back into their souls and thinking, well, I exist for a purpose mm -hmm. and therefore I have to align my life with that purpose. And because I align my life with that purpose, I shape my reality around me. So let's say if you aligned your life with freedom, you would hurt for the people in Ukraine. It wouldn't just be a news soundbite. Yeah. Like, Oh my God, like they're being invaded. If you really align your life with freedom, and you've also experienced the loss of your own freedom, that would mean something. Mm. But we don't, we've never, we've never experienced that. And so what we see in our, in our culture is, well, somebody tell me what I should be watching. Somebody tell me what I should be, what should be important to me. Somebody tell me what you're going to give me. Somebody tell me what I should do. And, and we've abdicated our authority to somebody else because we don't individually know that we have some higher honor, some higher good, some greater reward, somebody that we surrender to. So we surrender uh, and everybody surrenders. We surrender to whatever we see. And that's yep. usually our politicians or our news or, you know, the, our favorite person on TikTok or, you know, the Kardashians or something like that. We surrender our lives to them and we conform our, we conform our thoughts and visions around that. Well, and, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, when you talk in there about, you know, how we've done this, one of the biggest problems that I see is, you know, as the elite in this country, and particularly our government, gets more privy to the fact that willing people are willing to lay down their 
right, their responsibility, their own personal authority, they take advantage of that and then take control of that. And so right today, now we're, we're living in a society literally present day where we are far more free than you, the Ukraine or than Russia, cl clearly. But at the same time, so many people are actually asking the government to control their lives. If you just continue to give me what you've promised me or what I think I need or what, what you think I need, I'll do whatever you say. Which yeah. is which is so, why we're seeing such control. One of the points I made to her, she because she brought she brought out this idea of, uh, you know, it came to light that the, her government or whatever had spent thirty million dollars on research on how to how to sway political um, political leanings based on fear and other uh, other emotions that can be could, could be communicated via social media. Uh, how <laughs> could you sway the political parts? And I find it really interesting that if you compare and contrast. I believe what was laid down in perhaps the U.S. Constitution, where we're like, you know what, we're not going to stand for this stuff anymore, and we're going to we're going to make sure the media is free, and we're going to make sure that we have free speech, and we're going to make sure that we can bear arms, and we can make sure that we're going to throw all the tea into the tea, you know, into the harbor. We're going to be those people where we're standing for something, right? Versus now, where it's like, oh, they they spent thirty million fat figures. Yeah, they spent thirty million. They spent money trying to figure out how to control you. Mm. And now you're just like, eh, yeah, you know, politicians do that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we accept all sorts of things, you know, back to this idea of rejecting passivity. We have, we accept all sorts of things because we've never really for, for at least two or three generations now, maybe two, which for two generations, we've never really dealt with real hardship. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a, there's a problem with that. If we don't deal, if we don't accept struggle and hardship as part of life, we don't know what hills to die on. We don't know what's yeah. important. Yeah. And and I think that's why that's why I believe God brings struggle into our lives because it clarifies the water. Yeah. It 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 it's the it's a clarifying process to figure out what's important. Yeah. I, unfortunately, I still want to get to because I, I want to hear this kind of link to passing down responsibility generation to generation. I think there's something mm -hmm. there, and, and that is probably really important to your story about why you believe this. So I still want to get there. But, you know, as we're talking about all this, and we earlier you talked about living for a purpose, having a reason to live, then you talk about God here. So I am a Christian. I deeply love Jesus. He changed my life tremendously. That is first and foremost, foremost, who I serve, who I follow, and what guides my life. And at the same time, as much as I don't want to bash, quote unquote, the church today because they're getting thrashed in every area, but the church has failed here so incredibly bad, it's not even funny. Because in, in today's world, because of a lot of what's happened in even just our country, as it relates to immigration, or as it relates to politics, it's, well, the Bible calls us to lay down our lives and to serve and submit. It's almost like regardless of what somebody does to us. So I'm not going to take a stand. Um, because God calls us to care for the poor and to serve the sojourner and to welcome them in. I don't care what happens at our borders. I'm just going to lay down. Oh, and as a matter of fact, there was a lot of toxic manhood in the church and a lot of pastors have fallen as the result of, you know, going to war against their people and taking advantage. And so we're not going to preach on being tough men anymore. Like we're going to talk about 
being soft and passive and we don't need guns and we don't. And I'm like, you've totally screwed up. The one authority, though the word of God has not changed, the one authority that is to communicate the word of God to the culture has failed to to be consistent in communicating so many things that God has called us to all along. I mean, there was never a time when there wasn't a reason for war that God looked out to his people and said, hey, you know what, this time, don't, don't do it, don't do it. He's like, no. They were wrong. They broke the rules. As a matter of fact, I'm going to help you annihilate them. And I know there's a lot of contention around how that all how that all played out. But it like so the church has failed at it too. So there is no like that's why Jordan Peterson or Rogan or like there's a few people in society today that seem to be rising to the top that people are looking to and while that's wonderful it's still not enough to turn the tide on the disaster that we see generally in the country but particularly as it relates to what it means to be a man and how the, how men will continue to lead if we're to ever move forward i'm going to paint a little bit of hope on that picture <laughs> do it because <laughs> it's 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 feeling very dark and dim <laughs> <laughs> so the the timeline the arc of god whether you take it in, in generational steps or you take it over the long term, is that man tries his best and it's always proven wrong. Right. And so all of these all of these trying things, I, I, it, it reminds me of a conversation I had with my son. And he said, he was actually, and he's, young, he's a young man, he was on the side of, we should be able to legislate things that you cannot say. I had said a word that was in a song that I shouldn't have said, mm. uh, according to him. And I said, here's what's going to happen. I will never promise you I will never say that word again in the privacy of my own home just because you think I shouldn't say it because you weren't there for it initially. It was an inside joke and it was funny. And clearly I'm not racist. You can look at my life. And so I will take exception. I said, but here's the thing. If you think that you are called to get into politics and legislate things that we cannot say, I think you should do that. 100% run as fast as you can towards that mark. And here's how this is going to play out. I will always love you as my son and I will disagree with your policies. Yep. That's how we're going to go. So I, I think as this plays out, even the church is proven wrong. Right. Because at the end, well, it's the, if we, if we unwind the clock several thousand years, there were Jews wandering around at one point in time, Israelites, let's call them. And they didn't have a king. And they looked at everybody else and they said, hey, give us a king. And God said, you know what? You're going to get what you ask for. Sometimes that's going to be great. And sometimes you're going to be abused. And in the end, you're going to wish that you just knew me as your king. Mm -hmm. And then you could enter my rest. So I think there's hope in all of this stuff because it's designed to go wrong. Yeah. We are designed to be in this struggle and have it fail all around us epically sometimes. Yep. It is for our good that it fails epically. Uh, it is actually for our good that we get into big wars so that we look at this thing and go, what have we done? Who will rescue me mm. from all of this shit? Oh, yeah. oh, oh, that's right. God's going to. All right, yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm done. <clears throat> I surrender to your will. And that's, that's when things change. And you talked about becoming a Christian somehow changed your life. It yeah. wasn't because you tried harder. No. 
It was because you stopped trying and you gave away your, your will and you surrendered not to just anything or anyone you surrendered to God. And then he was like, things are going to change. And he gave you a new heart. And now you've got your impassioned for all sorts of things that you should totally be impassioned for. Yep. And right on the other side of that, there's going to be somebody who's totally impassioned for something different. And it's absolutely designed to be that way. So I, I broad brush that with a bit of hope. I also, yeah. I also look at it this, this other side that there are three things I think that we as individuals could really, and I, I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk about myself, talk about taking responsibility. I'm going to talk about myself for just a moment. Okay. These are things that I've had a really hard time with. And God has put me in situations strategically to teach me these things for other people. And here's, here's what God does for us. I'm never far from you. I'm always kind and I will not abandon you. Never far. I'm always kind and I will not abandon you. It is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. It's not a stick. Bang, bang, bang. Hey, did you know you're naked? Bah! Did you know you're a terrible person? Bah! Right? We all kind of intuitively know that stuff. Did you know you didn't measure up? Bow! Right? It's never that. It's mm -hmm. always, I'm not far from you. You just got to go. You just got to open the door. I'm standing mm -hmm. outside. In fact, I might be sitting on the couch next to you, but you never looked over. And I was always kind when you came back and I was so thrilled to see you. And by the way, I'm never going to, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. Now in all of that, it doesn't mean that we don't have responsibility and authority for the things that are around us, right? We yep. call each other up as men. We should call each other up, right? I mean, that'd be one, that'd be one thing. It's like, Hey, you know, Ryan, that thing that you did back there, that was a really dickhead move. Got to tell you that. Um, don't think you came across the way you wanted to come across. It's the conversation I had with my boys when they, they, when they were teenagers, they brought me this terrible music. It was so awful. It hurt my soul. And they were like, listen to this music. <laughs> it's like, wow. Ooh, I don't even know what to do with that. <laughs> but I didn't want to do what I had always felt, which was like, I want to cut. I didn't want to cut you off and tell you how terrible a person you were for listening to that music. And so I said right. this, I said, Hey, if that, if listening to that music bring, calls you to being the man that you want to be with your life, then you should continue to listen to it. And if it's not, you might consider changing it. Yeah. Done. The responsibility is yours. Do what you want to do. And I, re and I believed at that point in time that I raised them to a point that God was going to work in their lives and they would change that music. And sure enough, they did. Yeah. Well, it turns out that years later, I'm listening to kind of the same music. <laughs> and my son, my son's like, you can't say that word. And I was like, hell, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. But I know my intent. I know my heart behind it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so, you know, in there, you said something that, that I think is really important. You know, when you, when you talked about um, correcting, guiding, leading your son, one of the things yeah. that you said was to be the man that you want to be, or, or maybe it's the man that, you know, you've been created to be, but what is that? And again, I think that's where the struggle really lies. And so how did you, or was there, how old are you right now? 44. Oh, I'll be 44 next month. So what was there, was this always something for you? Did, did you, uh, did you always kind of have a clear picture of what it was going to be to grow up and to be a good young man, a responsible young man, a courageous, courageous young man that would then go on to be a courageous husband and a responsible husband and a responsible father. Was it always that way? Or, or were there things along the way that shaped the view that you now hold to today? Both. 
Okay. So I was raised in a very, I was raised in a good Christian household with good, good values, good morals, good, good processes of thinking. Um, people I could rely on. I knew I could never fall far. They would always love me. They'd always be there for me. I could do anything I wanted to, and they always supported me. Hmm. So from that, I then, pivotal moment in my life, um, having having been the kid, the geek, who would be like, hey, can I pray for us before we go leave this kid's group? <laughs> and then I like read part of Revelation for, you know, like 12-year-olds. Like, who does that? <laughs> You're a nerd, right? <laughs> to to then uh, having, having a, our first child before we were married. We got pregnant before we were married, and I felt such shame around that. Mm. And I was actually told, in fact, to to like I should probably have some shame. I was told by that by my in laws, and we had to apologize to to my uh, to my uh, future brother and sister in law. So sorry that we had a kid. Oh, so sorry I changed my life, made it harder. <laughs> I apologize to you. That's crazy town. And, and don't think that I didn't look at my own life. I remember walking around a mall at one point in time with this little baby and, you know, I'm there with my wife, we're just tooling around the mall. And I was like, they all know, they all know, they all know. They all know. <laughs> I experienced such shame. Mm. But when we became pregnant, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? Here's what's going to happen. I was a full-time student at the time. I walked down in, in my, uh, in, it was the day after I told my parents. And uh, for once, I left my dad speechless. And he had, that's actually what he told me. He's like, well, James, for once. Uh, you left me speechless. And I was like, Oh, I'm proud of you. (laughs) Now I've I've really done it. And then he invited us out for dinner. I was like, that was an awkward dinner. I actually don't even have a memory of it. My mind is fully erased from me. Then the next day they're like, Hey, we need to talk to you. And they said, and they gave me a plan. They're like, well, you can stay in school and we can do this and all sort of stuff. And if you, you know, you should consider merit, you know, consider, you should wait on that. Consider this as a big deal. Like all these things. Right. And instead of listening to that wisdom, I said, here's what I'm gonna do. We're going to get married. I'm going to drop out of school. I'm going to get an apartment. I'm going to start a family. It was like all these things because I knew that math. I knew that that was the right thing to do. And it, and it took a bit of courage. And in that moment, I felt like I became a man because I told my dad, here's my plan for my life. Mm. I didn't heed any of his wisdom. <laughs> it was almost contrary to most of his wisdom. Wow. Um, and in retrospect, 20 something years later, I sat in that same home and said, mom and dad, um, I've never really treated you as a parent that you are always there for me. I've never brought my stuff to you and said, Hey, I got this pile of shit. What should I do with it? I've always told you here's what I'm doing. And I said, there've been so many times in my life where you probably wanted to show up for me and I didn't trust you or treat you as a parent that I knew you to be wise, kind, caring, loving, always there for me. And I said, I'm sorry for that. That must have killed you at times. And I think I think in there, there's this transference of, well, I have this responsibility and authority as man, but I also have to see some sort of vision for life. I, I saw a vision. I said, well, this is the math I'm going to follow because that's what my parents followed. And yet they were also speaking wisdom back at me and said, hey, having lived some life, here's some things to think about as a man. And you should take these things under advisement. So in all of that, was I create what was I was I launched into a version of what I understood as manhood? For sure, hundred percent. I had a great I, my I had a great takeoff. My, my plane was in the air. We're doing great. 
did life experience teach me all of these things? And did I circle back around 20 years later? For sure. hundred mm-hmm. percent. I've learned all sorts of things. So yeah, you, it is not what you, it's not just what, what, what you started off to be. It is all of these experiences, the journey, the love your journey, right? The journey that you're on crafts you, shapes you. And God is all about shaping our hearts. 100%. All of the, all these other external circumstances, God's going to use all that stuff, but he's really interested in what shapes our hearts. Yeah. And so if you find that I, I'll, for myself, if I find myself at these pivotal moments, one of the things I think about is, okay, God, what are you doing in my heart? Mm. Where am I at with you? If David, who screwed up all sorts of things, and yet is called a man after God's own heart, and also doesn't get kind of this, one of his penultimate things he wanted to do is build a temple, and kind of gets in trouble at the end of his life because he counts the stuff that he's got, and yet we use him as an example of, of man after God's own heart, mm-hmm. why is it after God's heart? Why is that the big deal? Yeah. And I think that's ultimately what happens with us. So we... We lead courageously because we know what's in our hearts to do, and we ideally accept that the Holy Spirit's moving in us mm-hmm. to shape that. And and if we didn't start off from a good trajectory, it's not that God's not going to use that. He hundred percent uses that, and He's always going to. He's always about shaping our hearts. Yeah. I had it easier. I had an easier launching pad than some other people. Great. That just means I have greater responsibility to use that for something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that, that we were just um, uh, hearing our pastor preach on this this last Sunday. You know, I think that, again, there there's two often extremes. One is the I, I follow I exclusively follow after every word that God says. When I break that, I'm in shame. I'm an awful person. God doesn't love me. I'm constantly trying to perform to meet, you know, what God asks of me to get God to love me. One side. The other side is Jesus loves me as I am. He died for me as I am. God's grace is infinite. And so therefore, once I pray my prayer and do my thing, I'm kind of free. And in Western culture, more often than not, we swing more to the side of the infinite grace where God has accepted me for who I am. I'm going to screw up. I mean, in the end, God's got a plan. Like we read the book of revelation. It's all going to work itself out. Like I'm going to dangle along. So I I don't really have to be that hard lined about following after God's heart and, and about truly serving the purpose that God has called me to. So again, I think it's easy for us to step back and step away from this calling that we have on our life as Christians, uh, because of excuses like that outside of Christianity, when you have no guideposts to that whatsoever, it's insanely more difficult because then it's just making up whatever we feel like, you know, that the majority of society or the loudest component to society says today, which again is a big part of the problem that we're seeing happen, which is it's not the majority necessarily it's the loudest voices that are dictating when men are to speak, when men are to be quiet, when men are to stand up, when men are, what a man is, what a man isn't. It's just, it's a, it's a recipe for disaster in a sense. And clearly we know, again, look back, you know, thousands and thousands of years over scripture, God's going to work it all out. I don't think that we're living in the worst time that we've ever lived in. You look to the church at Corinth and look what was happening in the church at Corinth 
far worse. You look to the hundreds of years that the Israelites spent at the desert, far worse. I mean, we, we don't hold a candle to that. And that's saying a lot. Um, so I, I know it's going to work out, but I think there's just such a significant opportunity that we see right now as men to stand up and do something different, to reclaim what's been lost or what's been given away uh, and to really lean into that courage, into that responsibility. And it's just missing. And it's, it's hurtful to see the damage that's being done as the result, whether it's not protecting people that are uh, less empowered than us and just uh, uh, watching maybe a country that's going to get annihilated uh, in, in Ukraine, uh, whether it's in the home and watching the destruction of the family unit the way that it has, and men just just abdicating responsibility there completely. Um, it's just, it's everywhere. It's just, it's really permeating, you know, so much of society. Well, like you say, it's a pendulum, right? And the, like the point I made yesterday with this lady was there's never been a civilization that has existed that didn't end. <laughs> That's the hope that we have. Yeah. <laughs> All of this stuff that we want to point fingers at, and I point fingers at it too sometimes, uh, will come to an end because mm -hmm. it's designed to come to an end. We all come to the end of ourselves and then we go, okay, God, you know, what's happening here? And right yeah. now we're seeing this generational turnover, which is why there's this angst that's sitting in the air. Not only we, not only do we have changes of generation, but we have the ability to communicate in ways we've never been able to communicate before mm. in a superficial disconnected way that we think is connected, which is creating all sorts of issues that none of us, know how to deal with because we were never designed to live in, we were never designed to live in this disconnected state. Mm. We can, we, we are able to function in that just like we could change our diets, become 350 pounds and probably live a good long time because our bodies will, our bodies are able to move into that. So are our minds and so are our spirits. They're able to move their fluid and able to exist in all sorts of different ways. We, we, uh, are not the Israelites living on manna in the wilderness being led with cloud <laughs> by day and a fire by night. Right. But could we exist in that hundred percent? Turns out we can. <laughs> right. <laughs> not most of the but, sissies today, but no, no, no. <laughs> right. And so it turns out also society can exist without strong men. Mm. And also society can exist without women who know what their, know what their role is either. Mm -hmm. It will happen and yep. it will function. And some people will look around and say, this doesn't, this isn't functioning quite right. Mm -hmm. What have we done? <laughs> and there will be a pendulum that swings back and go, hey, you know, we're, we're going to reclaim this thing. But fortunately, we all get proven wrong in the end <laughs> mm -hmm. that even, even the thing that we thought we were doing for God wasn't, we, we weren't doing that for God. We were, we were doing it for ourselves, for our vision of who God was. And, yeah. and, and that's why each of us, you have this impassioned plea for men to be men. I run 100% towards that. I don't have that impassioned plea. Do I think it's an issue? For sure. 100%. I think it causes all sorts of issues in all societies when men don't know who they are. Because mm -hmm. I, I think we have a particular responsibility and authority in the world to, to rise into our manhood. And I'm not afraid of it. Yeah. for myself. And I know that people, I know some people who are, and there's a certain passivity, which I reject. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yet, um, back to this idea of, you know, you, this idea of passing, you know, passing something on, 
it's really hard that if I'm not, if I don't know that I'm living into my calling, it's really hard to ask you to live into your calling. Mm-hmm. If I know that I'm going against my own morals, I could not ask you to go towards yours. Yeah. Right. And so this idea, yeah, what the, you know, your first question, like, yeah, how do you find, how do you find this thing in manhood? I think it's super important because if I don't know what the hell I'm doing, it's going to be really hard for me to ask you to rise to what you should be doing. Yeah. And so that true. I think is a principal issue. So I wouldn't point so many fingers at the, well, I cannot believe that they're just doing, taking this. They don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They literally don't know. I can't tell you how many people I've, how I've talked to. They're like, how do I, I don't know how to pray. I'm like, you don't know how to pray. What are you talking about? You don't know how to pray. And I, I think it's an absolutely absurd. I think it's an absurd thing to say. I don't know how to pray. And yet I look at my life and it's like, well, I've never not prayed. Mm. When we had conflict in the home, <laughs> significant conflict sometimes, we go down to the family room, my mom would be like, hey, we're going to talk it out. And then we all get in a little circle, we pray. We always pray. We prayed at every meal. Mm. It's a part of my life. It's ingrained in me. And yet I have this grace and compassion now for people who have zero upbringing on what it even means to be a, a really stand-up person in general. Mm-hmm. So why should you know how to pray? And I, I still think it's absurd that in the United States with so many churches, in fact, I live in, I live in Rockford, Illinois. I believe we still have more churches per capita than anywhere in the U S. Wow. How could it possibly be that people don't know how to pray? How could that possibly be? We have quantity of church around mm-hmm. us. Every street corner, there's a church. <laughs> and you don't even know how to talk to God? Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah, I'd quickly say that a lot of times it's a fear to call somebody to something. But, um, okay, it so. It's the, the, but we do need to call each other to that. And that's why yeah. we know we need to know what we stand for. And regardless of whether I met that standard or not, I need to call myself to that, which means I can hold you accountable as well. And as a brotherhood of men, we're very good at holding each other accountable when we choose to do that. Yeah. Yeah. We can duke it out. We got pop, 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 pop. And five seconds later, we'll be like, great. We're friends again. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, so uh, when you talked about, you know, oftentimes we have a difficult time calling somebody to something because we don't even know what we stand for. And I just had this conversation yesterday. Uh, I was meeting with three managing partners and two executive leaders for uh, 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 an agency that we're doing work for, a company of about 40 employees. And, um, it's so interesting because, you know, in, in, in an organizational setting, uh, for as much as uh, they do work oftentimes around mission, vision, and values, most individuals don't do that type of self-work. So they don't know really what they stand for. And so it's difficult to get people, you know, when you're trying to get people to lean into the charge of this is what our company stands for. And here's the three things that are most important to us. Get on board with that. If people don't individually that are sitting in the seats know what they stand for, they don't know how those two things align. And I see this play out professionally uh, in very ugly ways in the sense that like salespeople, when they don't believe in what they sell and they're just there to make money, you know, again, it's it's a lack of belief, but it's because they don't know. Not only do they not know what they stand for, back to I think you're, I don't understand how you don't know how to pray. Like they, they have no idea where to even get started to to ask themselves questions around what they stand for personally. Yeah, absolutely. It's a void. It, 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 
We are now in a void where the fundamentals of how to be a person seem to be missing. Mm-hmm. And so we gather those things as we grow. And typically those are gathered from school, mm. right? So we have these, we have, we have parents first, then we got, but we go to school pretty quickly and, you know, here in the U S and then we gather that we spend more time usually with our, with our, the students around school than we ever do with our parents. Mm-hmm. Right. As we grow. And so we're gathering this from each other and the preponderance of those people also don't know. Yeah. And so we end up with this mishmash of trying to figure out culturally how to be a, how to be a good person. Yeah. So who defines that? And if we've, if we've duped ourselves into believing that we are some from, from some primordial goo, then it kind of doesn't matter. But intuitive, we know that it does matter because we all think that we're called to something more and greater than we are. Yep. You can't hold both of those beliefs. You yep. cannot be some from some primordial goo and also called to something greater. Yep. The two don't, they are, they are the antithesis of one another. Yep. Yep. So people are caught in the middle with this cognitive dissonance because they ho- they're trying to hold two different beliefs in their mind. One of which is innately created in you. And one of which you're just being told. And life has a way of working the two out. You're either ripped apart in the middle and you become a complete and utter mess or you fall on one side or the other. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, to, to, to your point, if we, if, if we're told, listen, you have value. And I don't just say that you were created with inherent value. Mm. And that, that thing, that question mark in your head, I think, was I created for something more? The answer is yes. And you're going to discover that. Now you're on a quest. And all men like quests. Send me on a quest. Yeah. And then I'm going to announce my discovery with excitement to all of you people. And you're going to, be, you're going to applaud me. And you're going to say, man, step into that. Mm-hmm. Step into that higher purpose. We applaud you. Take your, take your role among the brotherhood of men. Without that sort of, uh, with without that sort of storyline, we we are a purposeless people, mm-hmm. and people don't exist with no purpose. We just go discovering it in the in the most asinine, inane ways, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And that's and that's why that's why movies like Lord of the Rings and stuff become so popular mm-hmm. because we all know it. It speaks to our souls. I want to believe I'm on some sort of quest. Yeah. And so I, I think we're just in a we're in a particular time. This pendulum swung maybe a little bit too far, and I think it partially swung a little bit too far because there was a there were people, I'll count myself among them, who at one point in time lost track and held and, and were not operating in the way that they were not operating their lives in the ways that they knew they should be operating in their lives. And so it's very hard to pass that along to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And now then there's this gap. That gap then becomes a hole. It will be filled. And you have a generation of people who are filling it with all sorts of things. Yep. But in their souls, they know. They feel it. That is yeah. a God-given truth. Yep. 
Yeah. But then, but then you, you, now, now you're in the domain of feelings and guys don't like to talk about that either. <laughs> so, so, you know, again, when I, when I don't know how to deal with those things, when, I mean, that, that was me, um, you know, the way that I was brought to faith was God just kept destroying my life more and more. Like it was, I'm going to take this away and then I'm going to wreck your marriage. And then I'm going to like, it was me doing it, but God was like, Hey, I, I'm orchestrating all of this to happen. And I will peel everything back. You will be nothing in order to get you to see this. And finally, I, I literally said, it, it was my, I give up moment. I said, I can't do anything else. I might as well give God a shot. That, mm. Those are the words that came out of my mouth. And <laughs> it was fascinating, right? To, as I reflect back on that. And, and then you would think that was the last time that that happened, right? But no, I mean, it was like then, you know, years later, like, you know, I, I became financially successful and we were abusing, not abusing, but we were just not being responsible with the success, the financial success that we were given, me more so even than my wife. And God's like, here it goes again, right? And then he took our house away from us. And so little by little, I'm taking all these life lessons to get to this place of understanding, you know, how I tick and how 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 I need to best handle my life. But it's a hard journey to get there. It's hard to accept that as a man, I can't do it myself. And as a man, I can't blow through the wall. And as a man, I can't, it's like, it just, it, 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 we need to be given more space, I think. And, and that's one of the things that, you know, I, I'm definitely trying to do is just giving guys the place to say, sometimes it means being like, Hey, you're a total asshole to your wife. You need to get your shit together and figure it out. Other times it's like, I get it. I love you. I care about you. I will cry with you. Right. And so I think there's a, you know, there's a space and place for it both, but it's a tough journey we're on, man. It's so tough. It's supposed to be. <laughs> yes. Yes. It is. Okay. No, there's where we are supposed to be on a difficult journey because it is in the struggle that we find our significance. Yeah. It's not in success. You don't find You don't find significance in success. You find significance going through struggle. Yeah. No, it's so true. It's so true. I wish it was easier to accept it, but it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> that's why, that's why it's a gift when, when it wasn't, it was not a curse that God said, Hey, you're going to, you're going to have to toil over this stuff. It's going to mm -hmm. be difficult work. You didn't know how difficult this was going to be, but you decided that you wanted this. And so mm -hmm. I'm going to give it to you. And in some divine, you know, divine knowledge, you knew that was, that's what we needed. Right. Yeah. He said, you're going to have to struggle for this stuff. That was a blessing. Yeah. So that true. was not a curse. It was a blessing. The struggle is your blessing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, before we go, because we're we're just about up on the hour, um, I can only imagine what coffee with humans must be like every single time. And so, why why don't you tell me a little bit about that? What are you doing right, over so there? I started, I started coffee with humans in the beginning of the pandemic because it felt like people were feeling so disconnected to the point of despair. And I thought I can do something about this. So I said. I'll have coffee with anybody. You just, uh, the only rule is no sales calls. It just like rolled off my tongue. And I have now live streamed all of these. I meet my guests about eight, eight minutes before we go live. We'll talk about anything you want. It's live streamed around the world. Uh, YouTube, LinkedIn, all these other things. Uh, and, and I use it as a platform. I make no bones about it. If people ask, I don't bring it up typically, but if people ask me about it, I say, listen, I, I, I believe, I expect that when two people get together and I say, hey, God, you're going to use this for something good, I believe it's going to happen. Mm. And every single time it has, without fail. Mm. That's pretty awesome. Okay, so 
Where do people go to find that? Coffeewithhumans.com. You can click the button, sign up. I'll have coffee with you. Wait a minute. You were able to buy coffeewithhumans.com that easily? For sure. I own so many domain names, it's ridiculous. If you want to buy some, just contact me. <laughs> <laughs> I got some for sale. <laughs> what do you want? Uh, I don't, I don't so need awesome. them all. I became a domain collector, probably probably to my detriment. It cost me more money than I ever, ever made. But coffeewithhumans.com. Go online, click the button, sign up. I'll totally have coffee with you. We can talk about anything you like. I love that. All right, so do that. Jason, it's been so good, man. I'm super thankful that we were able to have this conversation. Just, again, had no idea where it was going. I think just so much wonderful wisdom and what a gift it was to, you know, to give to me, to other people. So thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm so stoked that Paul introduced us, and I guess we get to see where this goes from here. Well, thanks for joining me for this drink. Otherwise, I'd be drinking alone, which... That's weird. I know. I, you know, I, I should have cracked a drink, but I'm trying to take a break. <laughs> Too much bourbon lately. All right. I stand in solidarity. <laughs> Perfect. No, I was there with the in spirit. Don't worry about it. Thank you. All right, guys, as always, if you have any questions, you want to reach out to Jason, his contact information will be in the show notes. You want to complain, you want to rave, whatever you want to do, you know where to find me. In the meantime, be you, be happy, be authentic. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Authentic Conversations. If you are ready to live the life you've dreamed of, I'm here to help. Head to ryanjamesmiller.com slash podcast to begin your journey. And if this episode impacted you in any way, pay it forward by sharing it with someone you know. I'm Ryan James Miller, and I'll see you next time on Authentic Conversations.